So this morning we will go ahead and take a look at Exodus chapter 15. So you can go, you go ahead and open your Bibles up there if you haven't already. Uh, in our study thus far of Exodus, uh, we've seen that the children of Israel, that is the Israelites, the Hebrews, they are on the move out, you know, out of the way of captivity, leaving the, the land of Egypt behind. And they are free and, and moving toward the land which the Lord God promised would be for them, right? The promised land. In chapter 14, we talked about the Red Sea experience for the people of God. God showed himself strong and mighty on their behalf, even though they seemed to lack faith. We saw where they cried out to Moses and grumbled to him because he had led them to a place where By all appearances, they were trapped. If you remember, we talked about that when we studied chapter 14. As the army of the Egyptians was pursuing them, they were in an area where they were kind of landlocked in a sense. And how were they ever going to get out of there? So they grumbled and complained to Moses and said, Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Why have you brought us out to this place? You know, but the Lord God instructed them through Moses to go forward. Um, His will for their lives was going to be accomplished no matter what. He parted the sea and they made their way across. But the Egyptians that pursued them were swallowed up and drowned in the sea. And now, here in chapter 15, we're going to see a song of praise about to be sung by the Hebrews unto the Lord God. And verse 1 says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So the people had plenty of reasons to praise the Lord, to sing unto the Lord, and to speak of his goodness. They were in a high time now, right? Things were were going good for them. They had just witnessed the hand of the Lord working in a mighty way on their behalf. And this song was birthed out of an experience. It seems here that this song just kind of rose up spontaneously from within the people, right? In verse 1 here, we see that this song is sung to the Lord. It's not a song that's being sung to impress others, right? This is not a show, not a concert, right? It's just spontaneous praise of the people of God, right? The joy of the Lord is in these people because, again, they have experienced His mighty work in their lives. Singing praise songs unto the Lord is something that comes from within the heart of a person. A person that has come to understand what the Lord has done for them. The person that has died to their flesh-led life and has come to the Lord Jesus, that person has been set free from sin and death. And it is the Lord that places a new song in our hearts when we come to Him, when we turn to Him, and we begin to see things differently, and we begin to see His hand at work in our lives, it causes us to want to praise Him and to honor Him with our lips. Speaking of the Lord God, Psalm 40 and verse 3 says that He puts a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. 
So we must not forget the work of the Lord in our lives personally. As you remember where you once were before you were set free in Christ. Because remember, that's what we have a picture of here with the Israelites. They were set free from bondage. God had set them free and God was taking care of them and providing for them. And we know today that Christ is the ultimate redeemer. And he is the one that sets us free from the bondage of sin and death. And as we look back and as we remember what Christ has done for us and where he has now brought us to, it will cause us to praise him, to speak of his goodness and to sing songs of his goodness. He has, some, he has done something in your life that you could never accomplish on your own. And for the children of Israel, that was the way it was for them. They could never get out of where they, they were without the power of God at work in their lives. Do you see at the end of verse 1 there where it says, the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea? Well, the children of Israel, again, they didn't have the strength to fight back against such a powerful army that was pursuing them. So the Lord himself was their strength. The strength that they lacked in order to win the battle, the Lord was that strength. And for any person alive on the face of the earth today, they do not have the necessary strength to beat back the enemy of their soul. So they must surrender to and put their trust completely in the Lord God. And when they do, they will then find cause to praise Him. Okay? And the song of the children of the Lord continues in verse 2 here and says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. So again, the children of Israel were not the source of their own strength, right? The Lord was their strength in this situation. They call him a man of war here because they realize that it was he that won the battle for them. It was he that fought back their enemy. The Lord was the one that saved them. So they praised him for that fact. And they also remembered that he was the God of their fathers as well. And for you and me today, we must understand that the Lord is our strength today. He alone is our salvation. We have no might, no power to save ourselves, right? When the enemy comes against us, when temptation rises in our lives, we are not to trust in ourselves our own, or our own abilities, our own strength. We are to trust in the Lord. And for the person that has not come to that place of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, they've not surrendered all to Him, they must know that there is no other way of salvation. Salvation is not in a church building. It's not in a denomination or a non-denomination, right? Salvation belongs to our God, and Jesus is our God and Savior. He is the, the man of war in the spiritual battle, that rages for the souls of mankind. And verse 4 continues and says, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. 
His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. So in this song, right, in these words that the children of Israel are speaking and and singing here, they just continue to speak of the work that the Lord has done. The enemy that comes against the people of God is, is no match for our Lord. He consumes the enemy. He utterly destroys them. We've talked in recent weeks about the fact that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's in 1 Peter chapter 5. But as was the case for the children of Israel, so is the case for the born-again child of God today. The Lord has defeated the enemy. Sin no longer has power over the person that is born of the Spirit, the one that has Christ in them and is led by the Spirit of God. And that's the key point right there. We must be a people that, it, that, are, that is yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God, those that are led by the Spirit of God. So the Bible, the Word of God, makes a clear distinction as to who is and who is not a child of God. It is the ones that are led by the Spirit of God that are the children of God. And then in Galatians 5.16, which I kind of just quoted, it says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's the key point. We have to walk in the Spirit. So there again, just like the children of Israel professed that the Lord is their strength, you and me today need the Spirit of the Lord within us in order to live out His will for our lives here on this earth. We have no strength in and of ourselves. If left to ourselves, if left to our own so-called strength, we will fail in the sight of the Lord. See, the Bible says, beware when you think you stand, lest you fall. We should never go through life thinking, even as Christians, that we've arrived, that we've got it all together, that we have the strength and the power to, to do things on our own. We, are always, we always need to be fully reliant upon God, fully relying on Him, always trusting in Him. So it is the Lord that is our strength. It is the Lord that is our salvation. Again, so many people today rely upon their own merits and, and that they think that in so doing that they can be saved. As long as their, their good outweighs their bad in the end, they say, well, I'll be saved. Well, fact of the matter is, is there is none good. Romans says there is none good. No, not one, right? So the Word of God portrays something completely different than that type of attitude. It shows us that the Lord is our strength. And that we are to die to ourselves and to surrender our, li- our lives to Him and to the leading of His Spirit. 
and for that person that has surrendered their lives to Christ. They are to do exactly what we see the children of Israel doing here, praising the Lord with our mouths and testifying of His mighty works in our lives. And in verse 8, they continue to do so. It says, And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. So here we see that the enemy can be vicious, right? The enemy strongly desires to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And as a born-again child, we can't allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep, right, into believing that there is no enemy of our souls today. In the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it speaks of a people that do not see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says that their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. And that is speaking of the devil, right? He blinds people's minds from receiving the truth of the gospel. He blinds people's minds from the work of God in their lives and even in the world. It's even taught in our schools that, that there is no creator, right? That it just all happened. It was a big bang. It's evolution, right? So it is Satan that is behind distracting people from the truth about who God is. So there is an enemy to the souls of mankind, okay? But our God is stronger, and He is able to work mightily in the hearts of men and women today to set people free from the bondage of sin and death and to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. But we need to testify of Him, those that know Him. We need to be a people of praise, a people that speak of Him with our lips, right? The children of Israel continue in their song and verse 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness? fearful in praises, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. So, you see, as we read this, we must realize too that there's still a day coming in the future when the enemies of the soul, when the enemy of the soul of mankind will ultimately be defeated. We talked about that back when we studied the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Satan, the God of this age, will be defeated. And the Lord God will lead those that are His children into His holy habitation. Right, What we refer to as heaven. That day is still in the future for us. The sin that pursues us, the enemy that tries to destroy us, will all be done away with. But we are not there yet. Today, we still walk upon this earth where the God of this age still comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But what we are to do is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author 
and the finisher of our faith. That's what it tells us in Hebrews. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, right? So we are to be a people that are fixed on him and that praise him. A people that strives to, that strives to have the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart to be acceptable in his sight, as it says in the Psalms. So for now, we still live in a time where sin and, and death rages on, right? So today, what we are to do is to walk by faith and not by sight, to press on with our eyes fixed on him. Whether in good times or whether in bad times, we are to praise the Lord and to seek the Lord, right? To go forward, as we talked about last week. And when we do this, when we stay focused on the will of the Lord, we will begin to see the work that He does in our lives. And it will then have its effect on others around us as well. Because they will see what the Lord is doing within us. And they will see how it's changing us and how it's making us into to different people. And it will have an effect on them as well. And verse 14 says, the people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. So listed within those verses there are some of the enemies that will come against the Israelites as they make their way into their land. And even once they're in their, their land, the people of those places listed there, the Canaanites and the, you know, the people of uh, Philistia, these people will all be the enemies of Israel. But they, by faith, are testifying here in this song that in their future, that that in the days that still lie ahead for them, the Lord will be for them and will lead them by His strong arm. As you continue to read through the whole Bible, you'll see the the groups that are listed there in those verses we just read will be the people that will continually attack the Israelites over all the years. Today, the child of God, you and me, we can trust that the Lord, by His Spirit within us, will lead us safely home. Come what may in this life, the ultimate victory belongs to the Lord and to His people. He will bring us to our final resting place that He has prepared for us. And in verse 17, the children of Israel continue to sing, And they say, you will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Remember, this is a song of praise that we're reading here. And they're testifying of the glory of the Lord and His power and His strength and His and His ultimate plan for their lives. But that right there, those verses I just read, 17 and 18, they, they speak of our eternity as well. A dwelling place not made by the hands of man, but made by the hands of God. A place where He will bring us into 
someday and plant us there. This is what awaits the person that trusts not in themselves, but rather in the Lord. The person that knows they don't have their own strength, that the Lord is their strength. And salvation awaits us in eternity in heaven, the place that God has prepared for us. Let's read on verse 19. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So again, they just continue to testify of the goodness of the Lord here. For for the enemy, this is what happened. It's what they're saying. But for the children of the Lord, this is what happened. It's a different story. It's oh so important for us that we testify of the goodness of the Lord in our lives. It gives us a heart of praise rather than a heart of heaviness. As we go through this temporary life of ours here on this earth, we will be faced with many difficult situations. Jesus said that in this world, we will have tribulation. But when these troubled times come in our lives, we can rest assured that God always works all things together for good. And this is what faith is, right? This is where the rubber meets the road, as they say. Life isn't always easy. For the children of God, the Israelites, there there were still to be struggles ahead for them. There were still to be people that would come after them and try to destroy them. And, and the people of Israel, the children of Israel, they would go on to grumble and complain. We'll see that as we go on. But the strong arm of the Lord would indeed lead them to their promised land. He was going to get them to the promised land. Okay, you and I today have the choice before us to walk in faith and praise the Lord or to grumble and complain all the way through this life. Right? If you're led by the Spirit with your eyes fixed on Jesus, you will have the strength that you need to get through it all, come what may. Again, right now as we read this and as they're singing this song of praise, it was a high time. It was a good time for the children of Israel, but there were difficult times ahead for them as well. Verse 20, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the the timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and would dance. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So this appears to be where the song that began in verse 1 now ends. Miriam, the sister of Aaron, which also makes her the sister of Moses, brings out the tambourine. And her and all the women begin to dance in praise of the Lord. But we get a good picture here in this chapter of what it looks like to praise the Lord. And I encourage you to do so. You know, I spent some years standing in front of hundreds of people singing as a worship leader. And there was nothing more discouraging for me than to look out as I would lead people in singing and and see people not singing or see people not worshiping the Lord because it makes you feel like you're just a performer up there, right? Rather than someone that 
is leading others into praise. But I quickly determined back then that that was not going to deter me from praising the Lord within my own heart, right? But it is here in chapter 15 where we get a picture of what it's like for the people of God to come together in praise of the Lord, okay? Again, they were simply remembering and praising God for what He had done in their lives. And I believe that the Lord wants us to do this in our lives today, right? So if you don't have a place where you do it corporately with a congregation, then I do encourage you that you take time to do it privately. Nowhere in scriptures do we see that one must have a good singing voice to praise the Lord, right? I hear that so many times. People say, well, I can't sing, so I don't sing. Right? Well, that's fine if you don't want to do that in a congregation of people. But it's important that you praise the Lord. Okay? And not only that, if you look back at verse 1 of this chapter, we see where it says that they both sung and spoke to the Lord. If you look back at verse 1, right? So, however you do it, just do it. I encourage you to praise the Lord for what He has done in your life. What He has done within you. What He has shown you. That's all we see here. That's all they're doing. Lord, you've done this. You've worked mightily in my life. You've done that, you know. You, you, you conquered the enemy. You did this, this, this. I, no long, I used to be this. Now I'm that, you know. It's just praising the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. Verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So again, remember, that just because they were praising the Lord for all that He had done, that didn't mean that they were on easy street now. Look how quickly it changed here. They have no water, right? It is said that three days is the maximum time that people can go in a desert without water. But they may now be quickly forgetting the song of praise that they just sung not long ago. As the journey goes on here and they run into this troubled time, it's easy to forget that song, right? And verse 23 says, Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Now it must have been extremely disappointing to go three days without water and finally come upon some water but it was undrinkable. It's like jumping from the frying pan to the fire, as they say, right? But once again, we'll see that God will provide for them. Verse 25, speaking of Moses, says, So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So we are seeing here in the children of Israel, the Hebrews, a people of God, a people that loved God, and a people from whom He would ultimately bring forth the Messiah, the Savior, 
Jesus Christ, born of the Jews. I keep reminding you of that as we go through the Old Testament here, that remember, this all points to Jesus. We're, you know, we've already studied through the New Testament over the past several years, but now we're back in the beginning again, and we're working our way back to Jesus again. But this people of God were to be obedient, right? Yes, they were to be a people of praise, but not just a people of praise, but also a people that obediently followed the commands of the Lord. Today, people that are without the Lord in their lives are in a dry and a thirsty place. They're a dry and thirsty people, spiritually dry, right? Spiritually thirsty. Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 4 and verse 14, that whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. So people without Christ today are walking through a wilderness without water. They're dry spiritually. They're dead spiritually. They don't have that everlasting life within them that Jesus Christ promises them, that new life within them. And only God can take bitterness away. Only God can, can place something that once was bitter or can take something that once was bitter and make it sweet. But a person must be willing to come to and be obedient to the Lord. For this is where true spiritual healing begins, right? Also in the Gospel of John chapter 2, we read of Jesus turning water into wine. He was at a wedding. And there were these pots of water at this wedding feast that were used for the washing of hands. So it was dirty water, not good water, not clean water. And they ran out of wine at that wedding, and Jesus turned the dirty water into something sweet. right? And it was for the children of Israel. right? God was allowing this testing here in their lives as we see them going through this. He tests our faith in order that He might strengthen our faith. We will continue in faith to be obedient to His Word, or we will grumble and complain and turn away from the Lord in a time of testing. And many people do this. They don't go forward like we talked about last week. They don't press on. It's not easy. No one said this life of living in Christ was easy. It's, it's actually very difficult because it's against the mainstream. It's against what the rest of the world is doing. But this is a temporary life. We're just passing through, and heaven is our ultimate resting place. In verse 27, it says, Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. So what we see happen here is we saw them go through a time of testing and then immediately into a time of plenty where there was much water and shade, right? And God gives both to us as we go through this life. That is, He gives us times of testing and times of resting. But we will be a people of praise or we will be a grumbling people, right? The choice is ours. And the answer is clear as to what we ought to be. We ought to be a people of praise. 
who trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and do not lean on our own understanding. But we walk by faith and not by sight. God wants us to also be obedient to Him, knowing that within His will, He will provide. Right? But it will be in His will and in His way that He will do so. He has shown us the greatest love of all and that He has given us His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And we are to believe on Him. And we are to trust in Him. And we will have everlasting life. Through the good times and the bad times, the Lord God is worthy of our praise. And we need to lift our voice in praise to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, God, we thank You for this time in Your Word. Lord, so much information. Lord, there's so much in your word, Lord, but all that matters is, is what you do within our hearts, Lord. I pray that your word would get hid within all of our hearts, Lord. That we might glorify you with our lives, Lord. That the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, Lord. That we will just continue to draw near to you. Just continue to seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, with all of our strength, Lord. I pray your will to be done in our lives as your people. And we thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.